Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'll pre-record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour on the Super Talk Radio Network. Bob and Kelly from the Southern Bank Corps Studio here in Hattiesburg. Glad you're with us. Whatever station you're tuned in on this afternoon or online, uh, we're happy to have you for another edition of the Eagle Hour. Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation will be joining us as he does every Tuesday. Got lots to talk to Heath about regarding basketball and uh, some other matters that we think you'll find interesting. And we're about to bring on the play-by-play voice of the Alabama baseball program, Roger Hoover. Opening segment of the show, sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue, a great supporter of Southern Miss and a great supporter of the Eagle Hour. We appreciate all that they do. They can cater any event for you, large or small. And, of course, they serve delicious meals seven days a week for you and your family. We hope the next time you want some good barbecue, you'll check out Dickie's. All right, Southern Miss, Alabama, originally scheduled to play in baseball tonight, postponed, of course, until tomorrow night. And uh, we'll look forward to having uh, Alabama in the peak, 12-5 and on the season. A uh, regional team from last year actually played in the Louisiana Tech uh, regionals. Uh, they lost to North Carolina, beat Ryder, and then dropped an eight to ten decision to Tech. But they're off to a good start, twelve and five on the season. Just swept their weekend series uh, back home, and uh, now come on the road to take on the Golden Eagles. Roger Hoover is the play-by-play voice for Alabama baseball. We're happy to have him on our show, and uh, thanks thanks a lot for your time, Roger. Yeah, glad to be with you guys. Can't wait to be in Hattiesburg tomorrow night for what should be a really exciting matchup between two good baseball teams, Southern Miss and Alabama. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure, and we look forward to it uh, as well. We talked to Coach Barry uh, yesterday. He's on the show every Monday, and he did tell us that this home-and-home deal with Alabama and Southern Miss is on the books for the next couple of years as well. So uh, we think it's a, we think it's a great deal for both schools, and uh, we're excited. So you're off to a 12-5 and start analyze where this Alabama team is. I know you guys um, are starting the second half of your season after tomorrow night in the sense that your conference play starts like USM's. So where is Alabama now at 12-5, and five, you think, Roger? Well, it's been an interesting season for the Crimson Tide. Uh, got off to a really good start, uh, picked up five wins before uh, traveling to Austin, Texas to close out the month of February against the number one Texas Longhorns. And uh, Alabama played pretty well in that series. Even though they got swept by Texas, the first two days were just uh, cold, miserable games in Austin uh, with the wind blowing in at an already big ballpark. Alabama loses one nothing in the first game, 2 nothing in the second game before the last one kind of got out of hand late with some young pitchers running into trouble on Sunday. So you kind of left that series feeling pretty good, even though Alabama got swept and really competed well uh, step for step with Texas for a lot of that series, and the pitchers did really well. But then 
After that, dropped a midweek game to UT Martin. I was able to bounce back a little bit after that. Wins against Troy and weekend sweep of Murray State. And then uh, last week, I only had one game. It was a midweek and lost to North Alabama in a game that Coach Brad Bohannon described as an all-systems failure from pitching, hitting, defense. Just really nothing went right that day. Uh, Alabama was down early, 5 nothing in that game. Uh, and that was with Ben Hess on the mound, who's a really talented pitcher who will be getting the ball for Alabama tomorrow. Uh, that was his first start uh, last week after he had a non-throwing injury uh, that limited his progress in uh, preseason preparations. He wasn't able to do much at all in January and February, uh, but he is the number one ranked pitcher coming out of the state of Illinois, and it was a big coup for Alabama just sign him, and uh, he's going to be a big part of this team moving forward. So uh, we get to see him uh, take the ball tomorrow night for the Tide against uh, Southern Miss, and you know, I thought Alabama really bounced back well uh, afterwards uh, with a three-game sweep of Binghamton over this past weekend, swung the bats really well. So uh, it's been a team that's been uh, hampered by injuries a little bit. Their starting right fielder has been out uh, with an injury, a broken foot. William Hameter, he was one of the key cogs in last year's team that made it to the regional, and he was key. He had the go-ahead on run to beat Ryder in that regional you were talking about. Uh, and then Bryce Eblen, the, the second baseman, has been a little banged up with a shoulder injury. He should be back uh, for, if not tomorrow night, for the weekend. And then another player that's floated between second base and Eblen's absence, and also in center field, Caden Rose, has been dealing with a lingering uh, foot injury as well. So it's been a team that's a little banged up and still trying to kind of figure out who they are at this point of the season because we've seen some good performances, but also there have been a couple of head-scratching losses. And I want to talk more about the identity crisis of that team in a minute, Roger, but you have to look at the bright side of the loss to North Alabama. And and the bright side is that all the North Alabama guys had really nice-looking dates that night after beating Alabama, right? I mean, they... they, They got. I guess so. It's your joke. Why don't you follow yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, but talk about identity crisis. Obviously, you know, nationwide, everybody knows Alabama for its, its football program. Um, and I've always wondered by being a baseball player at, at Alabama, just about the, the identity there as, as to where the, football, or where the baseball team kind of, kind of fits in the pecking order there, would you think? Well, it's a very proud program that's been to, I believe, five College World Series. And, uh, you know, this weekend we're actually going to be celebrating Alabama Alumni Weekend uh, with the 96 and 97 teams that made uh, back-to-back appearances uh, in Omaha coming back. Uh, it's just a group that, you know, uh, you know, baseball matters a lot at Alabama. They have a gorgeous uh, facility that was renovated uh, in 2016. As a matter of fact, the 2015 season didn't even get to host any games because it went underwent such a tremendous facelift. And it's one of the better stadiums now in the SEC, and they have a great uh, head coach in place, and Brad Bohannon, that has been a long-time assistant at Kentucky and Auburn, and has a lot of good recruiting relationships around the country, especially in the Midwest and even Canada. Two of Alabama's best players are from Canada. Uh, Owen Diodotti, who's an outfielder, DH a lot of the times, uh, one of the best power hitters on the team, and then the Saturday starter, Antoine Jean, is also from Montreal. So uh, Coach Bohannon knows how to recruit creatively, and you got to do that at Alabama. And uh, you've and, really hamstrung with 11.7 scholarships and no state lottery scholarship to help it out. So uh, Alabama, Auburn, uh, really all the programs in Alabama are behind the eight ball in college baseball to begin with, uh, with uh, co- what college baseball has is just ridiculous scholarship rules and very unfair scholarship rules uh, to try and compete with. But uh, baseball matters a great deal. And then this fan base uh, packs Sewell Thomas Stadium 
each and every weekend. And you know, once they're able to host regionals, super regionals again, uh, I think people around the country will take notice again of Alabama as a baseball power. And actually, there's some local South Mississippi flavor there. Graham Crawford out of uh, Summerall, Mississippi, uh, by way of Pearl River Community College, a power hitting, uh, switch hitting catcher there now is uh, is donning an Alabama uniform. So we've got some South Mississippi flavor there on your team. Yeah, certainly do. Uh, and so far behind the plate, it's mostly been Dominic Tamez, but I know uh, Crawford's going to be a big part of the future for the Crimson Tide. You know, you said something interesting about uh, about the the crowds. We were talking to Coach Berry yesterday. They, you know, Southern Miss played at Dallas Baptist, a national power, but drew very little crowds. You know, we draw big crowds here for baseball, uh, and, and and he indicated that he thought it, uh, it had a lot to do with being in a college town, and Tuscaloosa certainly is a college town. Do you agree with that assessment? It seems that the the baseball programs in the South that that are truly in college towns draw big crowds and big interest in college baseball. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. And I think, uh, you know, when you have a passionate fan base for the school, you know, they show up and support you no matter what. And uh, you guys have that certainly in Hattiesburg. We can't wait to be a part of that coming up tomorrow. Uh, you know, in Alabama, it's amazing. We're able to get good baseball crowds. But on top of that, they're selling out every softball game as well. You know, a lot of times head-to-head of the same weekend. Yeah, Patrick Murphy's got uh, the second-ranked softball team in the country right now. Uh, so uh, there's really good support. And, uh, you know, there's only so much energy to go around sometimes, I feel like, around college athletics. But uh, Alabama fans, you know, if you win, they will support you like crazy. And uh, I've seen that with every sport I've been associated with, not just baseball. But, you know, I'm also the women's basketball play-by-play announcer. And, uh, you know, when they're able to beat Tennessee and beat Auburn, you know, that they get the fans in there afterwards. Uh, so it's a lot of fun uh, to be a part of this Crimson Tide program. And, yeah, the fan support is incredible. Well, Roger, if the football team ever starts winning, they'll get big crowds there as well, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> I think so. I think they're trending in the right direction. Yeah. You know, we're, we're all just, we're all disappointed after what happened last year. You know, a tough season, only winning an SEC title. But uh, you know, Nick Saban's pretty motivated getting ready for this year. It was hard. How tough the ending was. Yeah, it, it was hard. Why they keep that guy around? I have no. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, we really appreciate you being on the show, Roger. We look forward always to. Uh, competing with a university like Alabama. We know it'll be a great game tomorrow night. Two really good college baseball teams. We promise you there will be a good crowd uh, for for the game tomorrow night, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Can't wait to be in Hattiesburg tomorrow. We'll see you. All right, thanks. Roger Hoover, everybody. Here's a little news for tomorrow night. Who would you think may start the game tomorrow night, Kelly, that's done so well in midweeks? Well, everybody would would say Tanner Hall. Well, the fact that Drew Boyd's starting, does that indicate to you what may happen Friday night? Or sometime this weekend. Yeah, you you would think that. uh, I think the move has apparently been made. And I don't think that, and I don't think it's necessarily, you know, if you if you really follow the Southern Miss baseball team, I don't I don't think it comes as a major surprise, right? And it's not it's not like Etheridge has has pitched poorly, no. You know, it's just that the other guys are pitching such lights out games that uh, that that move apparently we won't know until the weekend when FAU comes to town. Uh, but that would apparently be the move that Hall would be moved to the weekend. So Drew Boyd named the starter for tomorrow night against Alabama. Very interesting. Uh, Florida Atlantic coming into town this weekend, and Coach told us yesterday that's the second part of the season. I think I think we've seen the midseason adjustments uh, about to take place. All right, Heath and Big Gold Nation, we're going to talk a little bit about basketball. No controversy there. Everybody's happy. We'll discuss that next. 
Southern Miss to the top. Hey, welcome to the Southern Bancor Studio in Hattiesburg this afternoon. Bob and Kelly broadcasting from this facility. Kind of sunny, partly cloudy here in South Mississippi right now. Baseball moved to tomorrow night uh, because of the threat of rain today. And it has rained most of the day today. And uh, so that'll be tomorrow night at 6. I want to thank Roger Hoover, who's the play-by-play voice for Alabama baseball. And we learned Lady Tide basketball, if that's the proper uh, pronunciation of that. And uh, we thank him for coming on the Eagle Hour. Campus Bookmart sponsors this section of the show. Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net, where you'll find the best selection of Southern Miss Apparel anywhere on the planet and the nicest lady on the planet Kathleen and her staff uh, looking forward to uh, serving you at Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. All right, Heath Hinton, Big Gold Nation, joins us. Before we get to basketball, Heath, uh, Drew Boyd starting tomorrow night against Alabama. So I think that means, I'm just guessing, I know one's told me this, but common sense would tell me that the young man that has looked so brilliant uh, during the midweek may be now a member of the weekend rotation. I would say that would... That would be a good guess right now, uh, especially with the way, you know, Tanner's been pitching midweek against a high-level opponent. Uh, nothing official out of Southern Miss, but I would say that if Drew Boyd is pitching against Alabama tomorrow, then there's probably a good chance that's going to happen, and it's understandable. Yeah, w- w- assuming this is the case, I mean, would uh, would you then assume that maybe next week, you would see Etheridge move to the midweek starter? You know, perhaps, perhaps it's Waltrip. I don't know how, uh, you know, I stopped second-guessing Coach Oz a long time ago because the man's such a good pitching coach that he's probably got film to look at. I don't want to say Waltrip didn't look good in his start this past weekend now. It's not, Waltrip did not look good at all. So, uh, you know, Ben's been around longer pitching. Does he get more of the benefit of the doubt? He's still, I mean, Southern Miss only gave up three runs that game. They should have won that game. Uh, that's good enough to win, especially against a really good Dallas Baptist. So I don't know. That's uh, yeah. that's going to be an interesting thing, who they move where this weekend. Yeah. I guess you'll know uh, pretty soon on uh, Saturday what they or Friday what they do. Sort of changes the complexion of the Alabama game, though, does it not? It does. It does. Uh, Drew, but Drew's uh, pitched against Alabama before there. And, uh, you know, I, I like Drew out of the starting than I do out of the bullpen a lot better. I just think he has a better feel for the game coming, uh, coming in and starting than he does coming in out of the bullpen in the middle of the game. So I like this idea of putting Drew, uh, letting Drew uh, tow the rubber to start the game. All right, Friday afternoon, uh, the news comes out on social media, something that uh, I, I've, I've got to tell you, Kelly and I said for a month it, that Jay Ladner was not going to be let go, that he was going to – we just we just both – not that we, we know anything, but we just had the, both had the feeling in our conversations with Coach Ladner, the way he was conducting himself, kind of kind of understanding the business end, some of the athletic department. We weren't really surprised to hear that he was going to – uh, be brought back next year, but boy, oh boy! And you're in that in that world. Did it ever set social media fire? Yeah, I mean, it come out. I believe it come out Saturday, uh, Saturday afternoon, while two double headers are going on with lady uh, with softball and baseball in the sixth inning of, of the uh, first game. It's just the, the timing of it, 
how it came out. Uh, I, I don't think people were real happy about that. Uh, that's up to Southern Miss. They can, I guess they can do that however they wanted to. But, yeah, keeping Jay Ladner, and once you look at the contracts, guys, it, it costs a lot of money. I mean, if you think about it, to do a rehaul, to, to just tear everything down and start over, I mean, you're looking at $1.5 million probably. Right. To uh, to start over and bring a new coaching staff in, does Southern Miss have that type of money right now? I don't think so. So maybe Jeremy Tams was tied at this point. Uh, Coach Ladner's got two years left, and if they were to buy him out, just those two years, it was six hundred and eighty thousand. So you pay him, and then you bring another coach in, assistance. That's a lot of money to be on the table right there. And maybe maybe uh, Jeremy McLean believes that Coach Ladner should be given another year, right? Perhaps. I mean, they. he said they sat down and talked a lot. I don't doubt that. And, uh, you know, Coach Ladner's got a lot of uh, decisions to make. Two players have already uh, put their name in the portal and are transferring out. Uh, you know, is there going to be more? Rumors are that there could be. So maybe a total overhaul of the, of the basketball team just don't know yet the transfer portal has made everything so much more difficult for everybody involved but and when, uh because of that it you just have no idea what's going to happen now well heath when you look at isaiah moore in particular isaiah moore has already been to about four four or five schools in his career and now he's apparently you know headed on to the next one i remember nobody doubts isaiah's ability to play I mean, he had had good averages this year, both on the boards and scoring wise. But he's bless his heart, he's just been kind of a loose cannon emotionally, and has been has been tough to coach at times. And when Coach Ladner was on the show with us, he said, you know, the the transfer portal can be used by coaches as well. You know, as as coaches go to players and say, look, maybe maybe this isn't a very good fit for you, and maybe you need to move on. Your reaction to the portal working for coaches instead of against them, perhaps. I can see that, but also Coach Ladner also had to know that when he went in the portal and got Isaiah Moore, that's what he was bringing in. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a secret when he was bought in that he was a little volatile, a good player. So they kind of knew that when they bought him in, so it couldn't be that big of a surprise when it happened. Now, when you're going to go to the transfer portal and bring in other athletes, or you, how, what's your standards going to be? Who are you going to bring in? Because you – just to double the win total from this year still puts you next to last place in Conference USA West. So just doubling your outcome of wins is not going to help much. You've got to bring in players that can play and play immediately. And sometimes when you do that, you may have to bring in guys that you normally wouldn't. And how is that going to work out? So the transfer portal is a double-edged sword. It is. It, it is. It is a double-edged sword. Uh, you can get good players, but sometimes they're in the portal for a reason. But I also, and, and it, I did about a month or so ago, uh, I looked at, at Jay Ladner's career record. And remember at Southeastern, when he was at Southeastern, his first three years were nothing at all to write home about. Uh, you know, lackluster at best, his first three years. But then the fourth year, things turned, you know, the other way. So all I was saying, and look, I understand the business part of, of athletics, and I wasn't, I wasn't endorsing that Coach Ladner be let go. I wasn't endorsing him to stay. It's not my call. I don't, you know, I haven't peeled the onion back that far. I'm just saying that when you look at his track record of his teams, the fourth year is, has always been much clearly better than the first three years. 
that had to have weighed, I would think, somewhere in that equation. Yes, no, or does it just come down to money? I, I think maybe so, but then again, Coach Ladner also didn't have to deal with the transfer portal when he was over there either. And he, once he got kids in, he could keep them and get them better over time. Now you can't do that. It's a totally different game. The coaching game has changed from back then to where it is now. It's not even the same ballpark because you've got to recruit kids. Every year, the same kids, you've got to go out and recruit them to keep them from jumping in the transfer portal. So I, I don't know. It, it The game has changed so much in the past just five years, guys, it, the game has changed. Coaching, players, players having more mobility. Um, maybe it's a good thing they're going to bring in some new guys. I don't know. I just know that this is a tough situation right now for Coach Ladner and his staff. And with two guys already leaving, you just don't know what's going to happen. Who Are there other kids that are going to be asked to leave? You just don't know yet. So a lot of decisions are going to have to be made. And – made pretty quickly because the how much better the team is next year is going to have to grow not just by half but by leaps and bounds. I think the biggest even, the biggest recruiter even the biggest recruiter on this team coming up Heath I think is going to be Tay Hardy. Tay Hardy as a player has the ability to talk to other players and say look this is what's going to go down. You know, they they won uh, a majority of their games with Tay Hardy in the lineup, he'll be healthy again. His ability to communicate with other players will, you know, can't be a negative. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think. Um, so the decisions, the decisions been made. I think it's just best for all to, you know, right. move forward. All right, Coach Ladner will be on the show Thursday. We'll ask him, uh, you know, his thoughts about all of this. Uh, also tomorrow on the show, Coach Joy Lee McNellis will be joining us, and when we bring. Heath, back. Can you stick around another segment, Heath? Sure, I'd be glad to. Uh, we're going to talk about the snub that Lady Eagle basketball received from the NIT. And then the funniest story of the day, Heath, is that the SEC feels like it's being what, Kelly? That there's an anti-SEC bias because in the NCAA tournament, Tennessee didn't get a two-seed. Is that is not not the most amazing thing you have ever heard in your life? That there is an SEC bias, an anti, an anti SEC bias by the NCAA. We'll unpack that, have a few chuckles, and uh, bring that story to you. And we'll talk about Lady Eagle basketball and uh, baseball as well. We'll continue with Heath Hinton on the other side of the break. Welcome back to the Southern Bank Corps studio here in Hattiesburg. Bob and Kelly, we've got Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation on the phone with us. This segment sponsored by our good buddies at 4th Street Bar and Grill. It is a fantastic place to have lunch five days a week, $9.95. More than enough to eat, and the food is always delicious. And you can be sure they'll have all the basketball games and all the baseball games 
uh, on the TVs this weekend uh, at 4th Street Bar. I guess that starts tonight, right, Sanders? Some of the play-in games are, are tonight, and I've got my bracket right here, Bob. i got to get these filled out before the end of the day Yeah, with some of these play-in games. All right, uh, again, uh, tomorrow we'll have Julie McNellis uh, on the program. Uh, we'll have Jay Ladner on the show uh, Thursday. Still working to try to get Coach McCormick nailed down uh, for Friday, but we will be broadcasting from Fuzzy's Tacos this Friday. And Caleb Hamill will be joining Kelly and I on location, so we look forward to uh, sharing some time down there. All right, uh, Heath, earlier today, Kelly brought to my attention that the, the poor basketball coaches at Tennessee feel that there is an anti-SEC bias by the NCAA. And let me get that right. Anti-SEC. It's just hard to say. It is. An anti-SEC bias by the NCAA. Hump the Wonder Camel just happened to be by the studio earlier today, and we asked him what he thought about a, an anti-bias against the SEC, and here's what he said. <laughs> Hump's pretty articulate, isn't he? He's... Yeah, Hump wasn't too impressed uh, with that thought. So you're, you're, can, can you answer the question without busting out laughing, Heath? Is there an anti-SEC bias by the NCAA? Because Tennessee felt it deserved a two seed in the not, oh not getting into the tournament. All right, not getting into the tournament. They think that the bias is that they didn't get the two seed that they felt they deserved. Yeah, they, they live a hard life in the SEC, right, Heath? Uh, it's terrible. It's just uh, all the money that they make. Um, you know, they didn't get a one seed. I, I just don't know what to say about it. I mean, come on, anti-SEC bias. The NCAA—they're the—they're the darling of the NCAA because all the money they bring the NCAA. Well, well let me tell you something. They bend though. over backwards. No, I mean teams teams in Conference USA and the Sun Belt get punished for things that are done in the SEC. I mean, God forbid LSU's in trouble now. Tulane, ULM, Louisiana Tech, they'll all be in trouble. Monroe's Monroe's really nervous if LSU's been caught. Well, there's probably some truth to this. I mean, the NIT, for example, they have that bias, too. Vanderbilt's women's team got in the NIT, and they're 14 and 18, Heath. They're four games under 500. And they get invited to the NIT. Southern Miss uh, women's basketball wins 18 games, and they get snubbed. Where's the bias? Well, here's the problem I have with the whole situation in NIT. You give it to North Texas, who decided not to play a game at Southern Miss, which would have helped in the standings in Conference USA. If I'm not mistaken, Southern Miss has a better overall record than UNT. But because UNT and Southern Miss didn't get a chance to play the game at Green Coliseum, that maybe UNT gets the bid to the WNIT over Southern Miss. By the way, the men's basketball team was able to travel from Hattiesburg to Dallas to play. Right. So why couldn't their women travel? That's all I'm going to say. That's right. And who knows what would have happened had that been done like it should have been done, which is a forfeit, Kelly Center. Yeah, well, and again, the $64,000 question is, is if Southern Miss wasn't leaving Conference USA, would that have been declared I know. I still don't understand this no contest business. If you are scheduled to play a game and for whatever reason can't, it's a forfeit. The other team is there, prepared, ready to go. Why should that team suffer when it was your decision not to come? Well, here's a great example. North Carolina State playing in the World Series, right? They're forced to forfeit games in the World Series because of COVID. 
And and yet North Texas can no COVID involved. We just don't want to travel because the weather's not right. And you're not forced to forfeit that guy. And as Heath to further Heath's point, not only that is you're rewarded for you're, going. You're rewarded basically. You were given a half a game edge in the standings by not going and playing the game. Right? Am I right, Heath? You were. You were giving second place, and the game wasn't played, so you could decide who would be second place. So you're awarded an extra position in the conference tournament, which who knows how that would have worked out. So, I mean, it's just really what it is, is Conference USA, just uh, making sure Southern Miss uh, doesn't have any advantage to leaving the conference going out. They're, they're really still upset. I think that has a lot to do with it. And, I, and I'm shocked. I'm shocked that Tanner Hall got pitcher of the week. It, it, and it's not because he didn't deserve it, right? I mean, for heaven's sakes! But I just didn't. I just didn't think. Well, they took guys. a lot of heat for the for the decision the week before. A kid that pitched four innings got the the pitcher of the week. But I don't. I don't think that the, at this point that they really care. I, that's what yeah. I'm saying. I was shocked. And again, Tanner Hall deserved it. I'm just shocked that Conference USA gave it to him. Well, Lady Eagle basketball will be a lot better off in the Sun Belt. They'll get a fresh start next year. Coach Joy will get a fresh start. And uh, I, I think, all things considered, uh, that'll be the best. All right, Heath, we've got about three minutes left in the segment. I do want to talk a little baseball with you, obviously. Uh, yeah. A disappointing weekend. Uh, and, you know, I, I really detected some disappointment in Coach Barry's voice yesterday for obvious reasons. But he has a saying that I think is true, and that is steady wins the race. And, uh, you know, it was three games out of 60, and the Golden Eagles have a great opportunity to bounce back starting this weekend. They do. They really do. And, look, there's some things got to change. Guys got to start hitting better. Got to take some pitches in the leadoff spot. Um, You know, got to – I'd like to see Charlie Fisher. Last time he got a chance to bat, uh, got a single. He needs to get going. There needs to be some more power in the lineup. Uh, Sergeant, you know, he was hot at the beginning of the season, cooled off. Uh, Danny Lynch, uh, like to see him get, uh, get the bat going. A couple of guys who really stood out has been, uh, Dustin Dickerson at shortstop has played extremely well and Ewing in left field has played really well. Uh, moving, uh, you know, you just, you just want to see a little more power from the bats, I guess. Like to see some more runs being drove in, mm-hmm. and better pitch, selective hitting, going up there and uh, getting in two strike counts and being at the mercy of a pitcher really early in the count. It's not conducive to good hitting. What, what is this? Get a good pitch when you're o two. Yeah. Uh, Heath, what is the scenario that we could see Charlie Fisher more involved in the lineup? Huh? What scenario? could play out that would allow him to get back in the batting lineup? I mean, maybe play first. Um, if Sargent has to catch for emergency regions, I mean, you think about poor uh, Poach Rodriguez back here behind the plate. Rod- I mean, Poach uh, Montenegro, Rodrigo Montenegro. Yeah. Tail, caught 27 innings this weekend. Sometimes he's got to get some relief how they're going to do that. I don't know. Um, maybe bring him in, but he's got to start. If he's going to, you know, he gets the opportunity maybe again to pinch hit, he does something well, drive a run in, get on base, look at getting him uh, into the lineup in the DH role. Maybe move Wilkes back out to right field. I don't know. There's just some things they got to do to jump start this lineup. And I think Coach Berry and I'm probably looking at that and what they've got to do. Yeah, he let us know yesterday that Rodrigo was pretty tired. 
at the end of that uh, thing Sunday afternoon. That's the only thing I'm looking at, me personally, that could be problematic as time goes on, is is that the lack of depth in that. And it's it's a huge position. Yeah. I mean, it's other than the pitching staff. It's the most challenging position on the field. It's it's the one that makes everybody go. Here's a dilemma they have. You know, Fisher was a preseason all-conference player. Slade Wilkes is hitting the ball way too well to take him out of the lineup. He's one of the best hitters on the team right now. But, boy, it seems like, seems like he's getting Charlie Fisher back in the lineup would give you potentially some real pop. It could, and, and you need some pop. You haven't had many home runs hit. And the home runs that are hit are not with guys on base or singles. They're just – there's not many been uh, – Three-run home runs, it's usually a solo or a two-run home run. Uh, you know, just, guys, you just want to see the bats get going again. And whatever they got to do to do that, if you got to take some people out of the lineup, you do it. Big boy baseball right now. Uh, maybe moving Dustin Dickerson back to the two spot and um, Ewing back to three, maybe that'll help a little bit. But it all starts to lead off, too. Gabe has got to go up there, uh, I think, through the first four, uh, his first four at-bats Sunday, he saw seven total pitches. You're a leadoff guy. you got to see more than seven pitches no. and four bats. He's lead-off. hitting a lot of first pitches. He's, hitting, yeah. you know, he's swinging at a lot of first pitches for sure. Well, it's not going to be easy this week. Alabama will be a, a tough team to, to beat. And, you know, I, I think that there's a new dynamic to that game that we've learned just a few minutes ago. And then – FAU's nothing but good every year, so it's uh, it's going to be another challenging week in what's a really challenging schedule, Heath. This is this has been the toughest uh, schedule Southern Miss has faced in a while. Dallas Baptist this past week is a top five RPI team for a reason. That team's going to be that team could be a super regional team. They're that good to me. Uh, they don't make mistakes, and Alabama, Alabama's Alabama. FAU coming in. FAU is always played Southern Miss tough. I don't know what it is. And, uh, you know, this is the last meeting we're going to have with them for a while, so uh, be nice to see the Golden Eagles uh, do some good things this weekend and get back on track. All right, Heath. Thank you, buddy. Heath Hinton, Big Gold Nation. Enjoyed the extended interview with him. We'll be right back after this. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back to the Eagle Hour. Joy McNellis on the show tomorrow. We always look forward to uh, Coach McNellis joining us. And also we'll be talking to Patrick McGee down at NOLA.com about this, uh, about this rumor of a new potential Saints quarterback. That should be an interesting conversation. D1 and D-Bat sponsors this segment of the Eagle Hour. A great place to take your child for Expert baseball and softball training, great place to go yourself. If you're a weekend athlete and want to improve your golf game, your tennis game, whatever it may be, they have a fitness program that is guaranteed to help you at D1 and D-Bat, and we thank them for all their support of the Eagle Hour. Congratulations uh, to the uh, golf team, Kelly. They're out at the uh, the GCU Invitational, and that is out in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I've always said they were the 
smartest of all athletes. Is, is any question about that? Yeah, GCU Grant, the Grand Canyon. Yeah, the Grand Canyon, Grand Canyon University and, uh, invite. And uh, right now, that was this was this. It's ongoing as it's we speak. Ongoing. They're in first place. They are. Yeah, there's like nine holes left in this tournament uh, today. And Southern Miss, out of 23 teams, Bob, leading the way. And some teams like Fresno State, Grand Canyon, Creighton, Texas Christian, you know, TCU, uh, Valparaiso. I mean, there's some good teams in this tournament. And Southern Miss is number one with nine holes left to play. The Eagles leading the way at six under par. The host team, Grand Canyon, at five under, followed by UT Arlington. At five under, Fresno State and Sacramento are at three under, Creighton and TCU right behind. Leading the way for the Eagles right now, uh, after shooting a three under par 68 yesterday, were uh, two two Southern Miss golfers, both shot 68. Robbie Ladder and Ryan Dupuy both shot three under par. That's tied for sixth. Then in 15th place, uh, just a couple of shots behind them is Hunter Atkins. Hunter shot one under par. Bryce Wilkinson, a one over par, 72. But again, in the team total, Southern Miss leading the tournament with about nine holes left to go out in Phoenix, Arizona. And we've talked about some of the great jobs that uh, the coaches do at Southern Miss that, that sometimes don't get a lot of notice. You know, John Stewart with the track team who's won a couple of uh, – won a couple of titles. I personally think the job Eddie Brescher's doing with this golf team is remarkable because they've always been, you know, kind of a middle of the pack slightly to above the middle of the pack. We've got a Southern Miss team here now going out to Phoenix, Arizona. So you know what type of golfers there are out that way. And they're leading this thing. They're leading the Grand Canyon uh, Invitational. 23 schools. Yeah, good for them. And they're in first place. Let's hope they can hang on and bring home that big trophy from Phoenix. Well, congratulations. Uh, That is good news. All right, what are the Masseys? I know you you keep up with that for us every week. Yeah, when it comes to baseball, the Massey ratings has now the Sunbelt Conference ranked slightly ahead of Conference USA. Of the 31 conferences, they've got the Sunbelt ranked 14th out of the 31 and Conference USA 16th out of the 31 baseball conferences. You remember, uh, really up until this year, the Sun Belt's kind of been under Conference USA, but this year, for whatever reason, you know, strength of the schedules and the teams that are in the Sun Belt, they're ranked uh, slightly ahead. But again, we've talked about the strength of some of these Sun Belt teams with Louisiana Lafayette, South Alabama, Georgia Southern, um, you know, Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina, just to, to name a few. Buddy, I'm telling you, that water's deep. That yeah. water is deep, baseball-wise. Yeah, it's going to be fun uh, to see. But right now, Conference USA still ahead of the Golden And there are a lot of good, really, Conference USA teams playing very, very well right now. And really, to, to be fair, which one of the things that we always – the biggest compliment you could ever give us on this show is that we're fair. And as did much – Did we ever <laughs> – did we ever get a compliment? I'm, I wasn't aware of that. Well, Gene Ladner says all the time. Oh, yeah. he, well, said, he, did, he did say we were fair, yes. Yeah, and, and he knows. He knows right. the situation, but he said you guys have always Lee been. Lee Applewhite loves us. And we've been fair to Lee, too. Well, we let him use the restroom here anytime he wants to come in, too. <laughs> well, so that was, you, have to, yeah. you have to give us a compliment before he, he can. It's actually named after him. You know that from when he worked here, right? The Lee, the it's Lee, called the throne. Oh, the yeah. Lee Applewhite Memorial the King Apple restaurant. Oh, he was I, here. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But that's the, that's the best thing you can ever say is that we were fair. And Conference USA's baseball, yeah, is is really good. yeah a strong baseball conference. No but if the Masseys think that the Sun Belt's even a little bit better than that, so if you're a baseball fan, and as every every team in the Sun Belt that we've talked to, Bob, have had on the air, you know, what's your reaction to Southern Miss coming into the league? They're pretty really, excited. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they like it a lot. So uh, baseball tomorrow night, 
maybe could have played tonight, but you can't, you know, you can't second guess that. It was supposed to rain all day and into the evening, and it may still rain more. And it rained hard this morning. It rained a lot. It sure did. And I think a lot of the decisions on whether to move these games, quite frankly, is can, will people come to the games? All right, so if, there, if the people thought that there was a chance of rain, there might be some people stay home. But tomorrow night, no chance of rain. So and why both not? schools were willing to do that. So I, I'm guessing both schools, kind of the coaches of both schools, probably did mind giving their kids an extra day to rest and um, and get ready for the midweek. And then they both uh, Alabama opens up SEC play against Florida and Southern Miss against uh, Florida Atlantic. So uh, you know, pretty challenging week for both schools. And I guess an extra day of rest didn't hurt anybody. Isn't it amazing though how it it just seems so slowly getting here? College baseball, and then season. it just flies by. You're, you're already exactly. in conference play no, now. You're exactly this right. weekend. It's you're sad, in but you're conference exactly. play. You're you know? exactly right. Hey, I want to thank Roger Hoover. He is the play-by-play voice for Alabama. We'll be glad to have uh, that fine uh, school here tomorrow night in the Pete. It should be exciting, and tomorrow we know it'll be exciting because Joy Lee McNellis comes to the Eagle Hour. She'll be coming to us from the Junior College National Playoffs. In Lubbock, Texas. Right, and uh, so we look forward to that. Patrick McGee going to update us on the Deshaun Watson story in New Orleans as well, so we hope you'll tune in. Until tomorrow, Southern Miss. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.